0: Thank you, dear God, for your word, which is awesome. We thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for this time that we have, dear God, to talk about your word. Father, I pray, my Lord Jesus, that you would give us ears to hear, my God, that you would soften our hearts, dear God, that your word would pierce us, my Lord God, and cause a change in us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. That was a lot of reading, right? Yes, it was. There's good stuff there. So we're gonna to try to unpack this in the next 28 minutes and 10 seconds. So in the previous chapters, Paul would, Paul has argued that all are guilty of sin. If you remember, I don't know if you guys have been, how many of y'all have been with us through the whole Roman series so far? Yes, been through it? Yes, I know you've been through it. You've been here this whole time. It's so amazing, Bishop. So from uh, if you guys remember from verse 18 of chapter one, uh, pretty much through chapter three, Paul has made it clear that both Jews and Gentiles have all missed the mark, right? So it's like we're all on even on this even playing field that all of us, we're terrible. We have missed the mark, and so there is uh, no hope for us. But then verse uh, chapter three, verses 21 through 26 makes all the difference, amen? It's so amazing. I love, man, I have to read the, through those verses over and over again because it was just so good how awesome God is that through faith in Christ's finished work, that is how we are saved. And so what does Paul do? Like any good teacher, Paul's got to give an illustration, right? So then what does he do? He's like, let me go ahead and throw Father Abraham, right? Father Abraham, amen. He says, y'all that have been through uh, Children's Church, uh, y'all know that song. Um, so it brings me to my first point. Abraham, and you're going to write this down because, you know, I was I was late. And I apologize, but I, I, could, I couldn't get out the points uh, early enough. I thought it was Friday, the cutoff, but I don't know what happened. I just got mixed up, but it's supposed to be Thursday. So uh, if if you have an outline, if you don't have an outline, raise your hand. One of the ushers will come by and get you one, Um, but you're going to write it down. And it's uh, Abraham was justified by faith and not by works. Abraham was justified by faith and not by works. So I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a few moments to go ahead and write that down. Write fast. So for his justification doctrine, Paul chooses two giant witnesses, right? Two giants in Israel's history to go ahead and prove his point, Abraham and David. So it was Abraham's faith, we see, that justified him. God promised Abraham descendants as innumerable as the stars. That's according to uh, back in Genesis, as innumerable as the stars through a son he didn't even have right? That's crazy, right? I'm going to give you descendants and they're going to be innumerable and it's going to be crazy. It's going to be amazing. You ain't even got a son, but that's okay, right? That's all right. All Abraham did was believe what the promiser God was promising. That's all he had. All he had was a promise. That's it. God didn't say, okay, the, God didn't go ahead and give him anything. Didn't. All he had was God's word, a promise And Abraham was crazy enough to believe it. He's like, I believe you wholeheartedly. And we're gonna get into a little bit more more about that uh, later on. Verse four is very interesting. Verse four says, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So when working for somebody, there's a certain expectation, right? That needs to be met before you get paid, okay? Okay. You have, to leave, you have to reach a level of performance, right, if you're contracting somebody out, like if you're having them bring do like a fence or, you know, remodel your kitchen or do that kind of thing. There's a certain level that needs to be met, right? The person that hired you isn't just going to hand over the total sum of the job unless you do it right, right? Okay, so I had, uh, this reminded me of a, of a teacher that I had. Now, this teacher was a very good teacher, very honest, very just, so he didn't believe in rounding. What teacher does not believe in rounding? I don't understand that. Now, me, when I went back to school the second time, I uh, had a conversation with my wife. She's like, you ain't going back a third time, right? Or a fourth? No, it would be the fourth time. I'm like, baby, listen, I need to get educated. I need to, I need to be better. She's like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so, uh, so this teacher of mine, uh, he didn't believe in rounding. So in his class, you know, I did the best that I could, you know, because this is my full-time. That's what I was doing, right? And um, I remember at the end of the semester, we got through all the tests, everything, all the assignments. On, I had, I had an 89 in the class. Mm. He was a just teacher, right? He was very strict by the book, right? He said, you got an 89, I give, and this is what he said at the beginning of the semester, I give the grades that you earn. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) I get to, and now at the beginning of the semester, you're like, yes, that's great. That's fantastic. That's good. I like that because I'm going to do my best and I'm going to earn an A. That's what I'm going to do. So it gets to the end of the semester. Everything is graded. We're at the end, and I see the, the grade. It says 89, so I say, well, I know what he said at the beginning, right? He set the standard at the beginning. He said that you have to go ahead and you, you earn the grade or you get the grade that you earn. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I can speak to him and appeal to his softer side, right? Maybe my eloquence or, you know, maybe he'll have some grace, right? Maybe he'll say, you know what? That 89 is good enough. We're going to go ahead and round up. Hallelujah. Maybe, maybe he'll round up. So I talked to him and he said, Aldo? I said, yes, sir. Because, you know, I got to be all respectful and stuff like that. You know, I got to come to him with respect. He said, what, what was the grade that you earned? <laughs> I said, an 89? He's like, an 89. That was the end of the conversation. He didn't say anything else. And so I, you know, awkward silence. I'm like, Th- thank you? Thank you for nothing because you didn't round up. So I left with my B in the class, little ding on my record, but that's, that's all right. It's okay. 89 versus 90, it made all the difference, didn't it, between a B and an A. As we learned, that no, we all fall short, right? We all fall short. So when we try to go ahead and do it on our own words, Apart from grace, we always, always, always fall short. We need that grace, and we need to recognize that, you know what? It is only through grace. It is nothing that I can do of myself. I can't work. I can try to work. I can try. I might make myself feel better, right, because I'm doing all this stuff. I'm a philanthropist. That's rich people that give away their money. I'm a philanthropist, right, and, and I just, you know, I, I want to help everybody, But it's not good enough. It is an 89. It is an 89. It's just not good enough. And so what do we do? Verse 5. It says, but to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Now, y'all know, y'all read the chapter before, right? We are ungodly. We miss the mark. We don't get there. The ungodly. His faith is accounted for righteousness. So... When I believe in what he has done, I am good enough. I have made it. Not because of anything that I did, but because of what he did for me. Amen? Mm. So, verse 5, verse 6 just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, it says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. That's me lawless deeds, that's me, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. (laughs) Abraham and David got it. They're like, you know what? I am never, ever going to be good enough. I need God's grace, not just sometimes, but all the time. Because I cannot do it of my own. I cannot do it with my own strength. And sometimes when we go ahead and get into this whole, you know, Christianity thing, we get a little knowledge in us and stuff, and then we're like, you know, we feel like we are flying, right? We feel like we are good. It's like when I go ahead and take my son and I, you know, I go ahead and fly him around and stuff like that, he thinks he's flying. But is it not me? It's me, right? I'm helping him along. And so sometimes we slip into that, oh, wait, no, I got it. God, take a back seat. I'll take the wheel. (laughs) And it's like, no, we we cannot slip into that. This has to be in the forefront of our minds always, knowing that it is by grace, by grace, by grace alone that we are able and not by our own strength. My next point, Abraham was justified by grace, not the law. Abraham was justified by grace, not the law. So in chapter two, Paul explains the Jews' glory in that they had circumcision and the law, right? Those two things. So it was almost like, you know, well, I'm born a Jew, so I'm good. I got I gotta do nothing else. It's like, man, it doesn't, we learned that it doesn't work that way, right? Circumcision is of the heart is important, right? That's where, that's where it counts. So even if a Jew was circumcised, if he didn't walk accordingly or didn't live accordingly, it was as if he was uncircumcised. That is a slap in the face, right? That is a slap in the face. But we see in verse 10, how then was it accounted, speaking of Abraham and his circumcision, while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? And Paul answers the question for us, even though it is a rhetorical one, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. Abraham's justification was not born out of adherence to the law, but it was born out of faith, belief in God's promise. So he proves the point. It's like, wait a minute. So let me ask you guys something. Was it when he was circumcised or uncircumcised? And it's like they couldn't answer, but to say no, why he was oh, why he was uncircumcised, right, right. So it was by faith, right? Ooh, I know they didn't like that that burn, but but circumcision was a sign and a seal, according to verse eleven, a sign and a seal. Okay, the sign because Abraham belonged to God and believed His promise. And a seal because it was a reminder to Abraham that God had given the promise and he would keep it. Now, I was thinking about this. Why circumcision? Why that? And then I was thinking about it. I was like, man, you know, that is a constant reminder because he's, he's got to go, right? And, you know, in his intimate moments, it is a reminder, a constant reminder that he belongs to God and God has given him a promise and he is going to bring it to pass. So, promise, bring it to pass, always. So then I started thinking about this more about a sign and a seal. Now when we are saved, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit with the promise, right, that God is coming back for us. And a sign, well what do we do? We baptize, right, we get baptized. We say, hey listen, there's there's a change that has gone on in my heart. I wanna get baptized, I wanna show the world that listen, I am different. But what matters in the end, just like with circumcision, is circumcision of the heart. There's got to be a change in our hearts. So we can go ahead and get baptized and, and all that and, and profess and say, hey, you know, everything, you know, I, I'm, I'm different. I've changed. I now have committed my life to Christ. But if I'm still living foul, has it really been a change? It's questionable, is it not? So just like the Jews, we fall into the same kind of category, like, oh, I've been baptized. I said a prayer, you know, I'm good. But there has to be a change in our hearts. Our hearts have to change. So our our heart, in adhering to God's commands, cannot be to earn anything. We cannot earn his grace. Instead, our obedience should be an outward expression of the change that has occurred in our hearts. I say that again. Our heart in adhering to God's commands cannot be to earn anything. We cannot earn His grace. Instead, our obedience should be an outward expression of the change that has occurred in our hearts. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands, right? If you love me, keep my commands. He commanded us to love one another, right? Isn't that hard sometimes? Sometimes I am unlovable. Sometimes I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and I'm surprised that my wife doesn't smack me in the face. I'm just surprised because sometimes I'm just, I'm, ugh, my attitude is just not the way that it's, I'm not treating her or esteeming her more than I esteem myself. I'm not doing those kind of things. I'm not looking out for other people. Sometimes I'm like, what is wrong with me? I need His grace, y'all. I need His grace. But my outward expression, the, the reason why I follow His commands shouldn't be because I'm trying to earn something. He's already earned it for us. It is His grace, through His grace alone, that we are made worthy. But that shouldn't mean that we just go ahead and live however we wanna live. It's a license to do whatever we want. Whatever feels good must be good, so we gotta do that, right? No, no, there's gotta be a change. The profession that we make should drive the works that we do. It should be a faith thing. I do those works in faith. It is born out of the faith that I have in him. It is a gratitude thing. God, you've done what I could never do for myself, so now I want to live for you. Not just sometimes, but all the time. And I know, sometimes you're going to fail. You're going to fall short. His grace is there. But what is your practice what is it that you're practicing? Are you practicing righteousness? Or are you just living however? Now, that's a hard question because, you know, this is, before I preach this message, I got to preach to myself, right? And man, I fell way short. Terrible. And even the little thing, the things that you don't even see, you know, how is it that you're reacting when you get bad news? Are you yelling at people? Are you just, you know, flying off the handle? I mean, where's your meekness? Where's your humility? Where is that? Where is the fruit of the Spirit? (laughs) What happened? Grace, my friends, grace. So we notice, though, (laughs) that Abraham believed in the promise, right? He believed in the promise, and then there was a word that was associated with it, right? He circumcised. That was very painful. It must have been. Thank you, Jesus, for anesthesia today um i i thank him for that i've had one surgery in my life actually two um in both anesthesia and hallelujah praise the lord it was good i woke up i didn't feel anything it was, it was amazing i didn't even remember anything so that was that was even better james 2 26 says for as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also so works have to follow the faith they go hand in hand if i'm truly convinced right of the promise. If I'm truly convinced that Christ has died for me and now I am a new creation, there should be works that follow that, right? Not because I not because I'm trying to earn something, but because there has been a change in me, right? If you get hit by a semi-truck, I guarantee there will be a change in your life. You will not be the same. So if you have put your faith and trust in Christ, there has to be a change. There's got to be a change. Even though might, sometimes you might not see it, but others got to go ahead and see it in you. Amen? Amen? There's a sister that, you know, she's near and dear to my heart. And um, she was, she always told me, Pastor, I just I don't see a change in me. And I had to go through the list. I said, look, you used to be like this, and now you're like this. You used to be like this, and now you're like this. You used to be like this, and now you're like this. But you know what? God is working in you. He's changing you. You didn't get like that overnight. It took a while for you to get it all crazy like that. Be patient with the Lord. He's working it out in you. Amen? Amen. I got to hurry because I only got a few minutes left. My last point. Abraham was justified by resurrection power and not human effort. Abraham was justified by resurrection power. I love that we sang about that today and not human effort. Paul saw the rejuvenation of Abraham's body as a picture of resurrection from the dead. And then he related it later on in this section, verses 18 through 25. He re- related it to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verses 17 through 18, I'm gonna read that. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who be- who- whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. I mean, proof of that is you know at the beginning, right? God said, let there be light. There wasn't any light, but he called it forth and there was light, right? And He called forth the animals and all those kind of things. And, I mean, it was, it was just amazing, right? So this is what God does. Who contrary to hope, verse 18, who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Who gives life to the dead? Were we not dead in our trespasses? Did he not come and give us life? Quickened our spirits, right? Connected us once again to the Father. Did what we could not do for ourselves. We cannot raise ourselves from the dead. It is a God thing. Human effort is simply not enough. Verse 18 is very interesting. Contrary to hope, in hope believe, Abraham's hope in having a child by natural means was over, right? You said he was about 100 years old. And his wife was really old, too. So all that, you know, I mean, it just wasn't going to happen by regular hope, by human hope, right? You have this time where, you know, uh, women can, can have can have children, right? And so my wife always says, you know, the biological time clock, you know, it's ticking. You got to go ahead and, you know, see what's up. You know, got to go ahead and do what we got to do. I had These kids weren't within that time. Um, so the, the clock had stopped. It was, it was done for them. I mean, there was no, there was no natural hope. The only hope he had was in God's promise, right? Those descendants that he was going to have that were going to be brought forth. All that was in God's hands. Now, we see the depth of Abraham's faith in verses 19 through 22. It says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, obviously, since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully, say fully, say fully. Fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So we do not deny reality. You might be facing something and it's it's right in front of you. And we do not deny that. He didn't deny that, you know, he was past the age. He's like, I don't, I don't know how this is going to happen because I'm sure you know this, but we're done i mean they, they they nothing like you know can't do by natural means lord uh if you know what i mean um god was like yeah uh, yes i i got that thank you but i'm gonna go ahead and do it so don't don't worry about it so we do not deny the reality but when god gives us a promise is he not able to bring it to pass I said, when God gives us a promise, is he not able to bring it to pass? I said, when God gives us a promise, is he not able to bring it to pass? That we should live in a a manner in which we actually believe that. So when situations come up, when the giants in our lives rise up, what do we do? Do we shrink back in fear? Or do we believe God is with us? Do we believe the promiser? Did he not say that he was going to be with us? Did he not say that he's going to fight for us? So why do we worry? Why do we live in a way that we're like, ah, I proclaim those promises, yes. But when the situation actually comes, then we're like, okay, God, give me a dream. Or... Hold on a second. I got to go ahead and pray about this. I got to do... Believe him. He is God. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of the universe, the ones that are the, that abides eternity. He is not constrained by time. He is almighty. Not some mighty. He is almighty. Almighty. So when he gives you a promise, when we read a promise in scripture... Don't doubt. Don't doubt his ability. If he promised it, he said it, you know he's going to do it. So then where does that leave us? That leaves us not wavering, right? While waiting, our faith should be strengthened, and we should be giving glory to God like Abraham did. Why? Because with every passing day, we are getting closer and closer to the fulfillment of that which he, God, has promised. Think about that. If God gave you a promise today, even though you might not see it right now, God is faithful, right? He'll go ahead and bring it to pass. So with every passing day that I live, I am getting closer to the fulfillment of his promise. Do you get that? So now I'm not losing hope because I'm thinking, because sometimes we think on the next, oh, God. It didn't have not today. But I'm with every passing day. I am getting closer and closer and closer and closer to the fulfillment of that promise. It's like Christmas. It is like Christmas. I see the gift under the tree. And I like little boxes because I know the little boxes contain the expensive stuff. So I'm looking at that and I'm like, mmm. I feel the Lord in that gift. Because I know what I marked in my list. I know what I went ahead and wrote down. And that box kind of matches what I wrote down on my list. And so, with every passing day, every passing day, I'm not saying to myself, oh, I don't get to open it today. <laughs> I'm saying that, I'm like, oh, it's only X amount of days left. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. And then here comes Christmas morning, and we're rushing through the Christmas story to get to the gifts. I mean, we're taking time in the Lord and giving God glory and honor because of Advent and stuff, because I learned that in this past year. (laughs) And then it comes time for the gifts, the fulfillment of the promise. But my faith, my faith, my faith, my faith grows with every passing day because I know that his promise is coming. I know. Why? Because I know the promiser. And you know what? That guy never disappoints. He's never early. But he's never late. He is always, always, always on time. And usually it's like the last minute. The Lord loves drama like that. He loves suspense. He loves that. He loves me. You're going to do it, right, Lord? I believe in you. Lord, help my unbelief. Um, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Uh, Abraham believed because he believed the one making the promise was able to bring it to pass. He was able to bring to pass what he had promised. And that's why it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham recognized that in his human effort, he couldn't do it. It had to be God. It had to be God. And verses 24 through 25 are my favorite, and this wraps us up. But also for us, say for us, for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. God's promise being accounted to Abraham for righteousness and the belief that we have in Jesus Christ's death for our offenses, um, he tied those two things together. So the faith, just like Abraham had that faith in that promise, we too must have that same type of faith, unwavering faith that Christ's finished work is truly a finished work. We cannot add to it. He has justified us by grace alone. And now it is our job to live out in that grace, bringing him glory and honor in all the things that we do. Because we his kids, right? We're the king's kids, so we need to act right. Amen? Amen. Come on and put your hands together for Jesus. Come on and stand to your feet. I want you to bow your heads, and I want you to just think about this. We cannot save ourselves by our own efforts. We must believe in Christ's finished work wholeheartedly. God's promises are faithful. We can trust in him. If he promised it, he is more than able to fulfill it. Our job is to be patient, giving him glory every step of the way. And watch him bring it to pass. So if you're here today and God has promised you something, whatever that might be, He will bring it to pass. Be patient. Wait on him. In the meantime, put your hands to work. He's got it well in hand. He's gonna take care of that. If you're in this place and you say, you know what? I've been trying to go ahead and save myself through my own efforts. I've been trying to go ahead and do things on my own strength. I'm here to tell you, stop. Abandon that thought. You'll never be good enough. But there is one who was, and his name is Jesus. And if you accept him today, and you accept his payment for your sins, and put your faith and trust in him, he is faithful to forgive you, he's faithful to restore you, faithful to bring you life. Father, I pray right now, dear Lord Jesus, for all of us, dear God. Father, that our faith would be strengthened, dear God. Not only our faith and trust, dear God, in the fact that you have died for and paid for our sins, dear God. But also, dear Lord God, for all the other promises that we find in your word, dear God. That when we come across them, dear God, that we would have faith and trust that you will bring that to pass, dear God. That that promise is for us, dear God. I pray against any doubt in our minds, dear God. you call us to walk victorious, dear Lord Jesus. So I pray, my Lord God, that we would be those that are characterized by as a people of faith faith, my God. Those that are unwavering, waiting, my Lord God, for the fulfillment of your promise, being faithful, dear God, in those things that you've called us to, dear God. Father, I pray for us, God. Help our unbelief, dear Lord Jesus. Give us strength, my Lord God, in those areas in which we are weak, dear God. Help our works, my Lord God, come from a place of faith, my Lord Jesus. Not earning been honoring you in them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on.